Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast here on Monday. I am Mike Schaefer and I am joined by Michael Brunts here as we get into what Matt Rule had to say on Monday following the Michigan State game. And we'll just dive right into it, Brunts. There's no needs and no need to really kind of dance around any of it. What just kind of a your general overview of, of how Matt Rule seemed, you know, 48 hours or so past uh the loss to Michigan State on Saturday. Yeah, they ran they kind of ran the gamut today. Um he he kind of you know didn't really get into much of the officiating stuff and the the two re- the the one review on the touchdown catch and then the non review on the uh, fumble not fumble um, he didn't talk about that after the game today got into that a little bit more um, and basically said that you know the he believed that that was not a touchdown um, believed that that should have been a fumble um, on the last play and they should have gotten another play at least uh, to get into field goal range for Tristan for Tristan Alvano he also mentioned the the review of the Gabe Irvin touchdown, no touchdown against Minnesota being uh, another instance where, you know, after a second look, he felt like they still got it wrong. Um, also touched a little bit on on Minnesota, or, or Michigan uh, spying, I guess, or scouting um, and, and kind of danced around that a little bit, but, you know, basically said that it happened, um, which, you know, we, we had known based on the reporting that uh, Connor Stallions had purchased tickets at Memorial Stadium, but uh, they talked about that. I mean, just kind of the the difference, I guess, of of playing in November. I mean, that that's kind of where this team was, you know, trying to get one more win. And you know, the things that maybe you got away with at certain times during that three game win streak, all of a sudden, are a little bit harder to get away with. And so we, we'll get into it. I mean, there's a lot to kind of run through from that game, and and maybe kind of what Matt Rule thought and and what we thought, but. Um, Kind of some interesting comments that we'll have on the site, or already are on the site, too, um, from Rule today uh, in his press conference. Yeah, so let's just kind of walk through different topics and where it works out. Let us know what uh, Matt Rule kind of had to say on on various things and just your general opinion on stuff. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. We'll just start right there with the Heinrich Harburg piece of the equation. You were there at East Lansing at Spartan Stadium uh, for the site of what felt like probably the worst game for Heinrich Harburg this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, the two picks, he had the third that was called back, um, you know, luckily for Nebraska there. But just another, 
you know, off offensive day um, where you, you, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it was kind of, it felt to me like a little bit of a, uh, a more prolonged example, maybe of what we've seen at times from this offense where you, you, they moved the ball a little bit in fits and spurts, but didn't really get enough of those big game changing plays on offense. And they only need, they only need, you know, maybe two or three of them. And they got, you know, the one on, on the Harburg big run that set up a touchdown. Uh, but beyond that, you know, never, never really found that big kind of game changing play on offense. And I think this, this offense right now that they, they've got to be, they got to be able to pick up third downs. I mean, there, there were some plays in that game, the, the Alex Bullock drop, I think that loomed kind of large, um, in the third quarter, um, and, and some missed opportunities that, uh, you know, they, they had guys open. I, I think anecdotally, you can say that guys have been open. Uh, Nebraska, for whatever reason, has been un, unable to find them, whether that's, you know, Harvard, whether that's not having enough time. Um, I, I guess, you know, the, this conversation is kind of happening where people say, well, you kind of have to to fit your offense to your personnel. I mean, what, what do you think that Nebraska is not doing now offensively that they could be doing to make this picture look different? Because, I'm not sure how much more you can scheme things up from Nebraska's point of view at this point. Yeah, I don't know that there really is. I like we on on the Sunday side session with Michael Severe on on uh, Sunday. I mean, we we kind of went through it. Like this is sort of what the offense is, and you have to take the the big runs from Heinrich Harburg. I mean, the only reason that was a one score game was his touchdown run. Nobody else on the roster is making that touchdown run. You can give me Jeff Sims a laugh at it. He's not making that run. Um, Harburg, you know, is their biggest big play threat and he is their biggest weakness all at the same time. Like that's just the reality of what this offense is. And they have to, um, they have to figure out how to, to survive. I mean, I, I think the best way to put it is, is kind of how both you said it, how Matt rule said it like they're they have to have probably three, four big plays in a game. And they really only had a couple they had. You know, the throw to, to Thomas Fedoni was like a seven or 27 yard pass. Uh, yeah, the the 40 some yard touchdown run. Um, and that was about it. Like they they had they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a 27 yard run uh, in the second quarter to set things up for at least a Tristan Alvano field goal. They didn't have enough of those types of plays. And I just don't think that there's really much more you can do. They're not going to be able to line it up and run straight at teams. Uh, you know, teams are continue to play eight in the box, which they're going to do. Safeties are going to come down. I mean, Michigan State safeties dictated a lot of that game, it felt like. And Nebraska just is going to have to prepare for that, especially with Wisconsin and Iowa on the schedule. So they're going to have to get their wins where they can in terms of, you know, big plays when they present themselves. Uh, and Harburg has to be better in individual moments. And for me, a lot of Saturday was uh, just coming up short at, at key opportunities, but it didn't feel like it was a a thing where this is going to to plague them every week going forward. This is what they've been like. They we just saw the the wrong side of the margin for them. You know, the defense wasn't great, and the special teams let them down. Uh, was what I felt was poor coaching decision. So when we get to that end of it, we'll we'll dive into where they're at with with the punt returning and all of that too later in the show, but. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't see any real change coming for their offense. I sure as hell don't see a quarterback change coming. Uh, you know, those Chubba Purdy takes are are getting kind of, I wouldn't say loud, but you know, kind of like a cricket in your backyard that you hear at night. Like that's that's sort of where they're at for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see a big change there. I, I mean, I wouldn't hate seeing – it felt like at times um, against Michigan State and, and also, you know, against Illinois and, and you know, dur- during uh, a little bit of the Purdue game. I mean, it, it felt like Nebraska has found at times some runs with the running backs that have worked. I mean, they, they've – would they have like 27 combined carries between Emmett Johnson and, uh, uh, and Anthony Grant? I mean, and I – yeah, and Fle- I think Fleeks had six, something like that. Um, you know, it, it felt like you could have done maybe a little bit more of that. I, I thought, you know, right after halftime, they seemed to be moving the ball a little bit more consistently on the ground and then got away from it a little bit. But, I mean, it. I wrote this after the game on Saturday. I mean, you know, Nebraska, Nebraska is a flawed team. I mean, I, I, I think people need to remember that. And, you know, they were a flawed team when they won three straight. They're a flawed team when you know you lose to Michigan State I mean I it's the same group and like you said I mean I I think so much of the success the rest of the way hinges on Nebraska's ability to play complementary football I thought I thought the defense played well enough to win that game um I I know Matt Rule said that things felt different it it did a little bit I I mean I, I think it's hard to expect your defense to go out there and just be completely dominant with some of the situations they were put in but uh, you know, I, I think the offense and the special teams needed to do a lot more in that game than, than what they did. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, look, you allowed 20 points in my mind in, in college football in 2023. 20 points shouldn't necessarily be a loss uh, if you're able to play better football. And some of those 20 points are, are contingent on the fact that your offense is continually putting your defense in bad spots or your special teams is putting your defense in bad spots. So, um, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, we saw what it looks like if the defense doesn't just make a big play or if the defense doesn't set your offense up, that sort of thing. So they played fine, but it feels like if they only play fine and the offense plays poor, it's going to be really hard to win a game. Yeah, I, the, the quibble would be that, I mean, you didn't force a turnover in that game. And yep. they had chances late. I I, I don't know. Mackay, Tommy Hill early. I mean, if yeah. he's just slightly there, that's a pick six going the other way. Yeah, Mackay Bear on that tipped pass, it looked like he had a chance to catch that. And that would have been a, a huge play. But I, I, the, the field was tilted so far towards Nebraska's end in that game with special teams, I think. I think at one point that they were actually even an average starting field position. And I have no idea how that was in the third quarter. I think Michigan state ended up having like an eight, eight yard advantage there. And when you, you couple that with the turnover differential, it's, it's tough to win uh, the yeah. way that Nebraska wants to win. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to, to, to get into with the offense? Do you have any thoughts on the offensive line? Second game for that group up front felt like a step back, which is interesting because it also seemed like Purdue's edges were better than what Michigan State's were, but it felt like Michigan State up front had a more consistent push throughout the game. I felt like they're they, did it feel like they were better in the middle, like Michigan State yeah, were interior. I mean, Justin Evans Jenkins, it felt like he had a bad game. Um, you know, it was more visible for him than Henry Lutowski. It seemed like Nebraska had to do a lot to get side to side to then open things up in the middle uh, for some of those inside zone runs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, it was Nori who was in there. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I thought he played okay considering the, you know, the knee. Th- that's the why knee. I didn't see Lutowski. All right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good <laughs> mental note for me here. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, it, you, you kind of need to go back and look, you know, in the, 
especially in the second half, I, you know, Michigan State was doing a little bit more stunting, doing some different games up front that I think gave Nebraska some issues. Um, but I, like I said, I mean, I, I thought in the third quarter they actually found a few runs that were working, but they 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 got away from it. And I mean, you kind of do that when you fall behind. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I would need to go back and watch more closely to see who some of those sacks were on. Cause some of them, it felt like Harbor didn't have a great feel for the pocket. Um, but certainly I, I think Michigan state and, and their front four, I mean, I don't think it was a lot of the pressure, but I think their front four was pretty active and maybe a little bit better than maybe what I thought going in. I mean, especially like what the numbers would have suggested. Yeah. Uh, with Harburg, Bruns, do you think it's a case where we've seen in the past a young guy gets his first opportunity, he's able to kind of play free, loose, and then all of a sudden he keeps playing more, he gets more information thrown at him, and it's like, I, I don't know what it looked like at, at the press box, but for me, watching at home, it just feels like you could watch him think through his options in real time, and he's not processing information. He's just not. Like, it's it's not even that he's not processing fast enough. He's not able to process the information as it's happening in front of him because all of a sudden he's thinking now instead of just playing and reacting like he was in the first few games. Yeah, no, I, I think there's something to it. I think I think when Big Ten defensive coordinators have enough tape on somebody, they can figure out some schemes and some things that can really cause trouble. I mean, I, I think you've seen the way that opponents have used their safeties the last couple of weeks, I think, have, have given – him a little bit of problem. I mean, there, there's been some throws where not even the deep one to Bullock, where I think somebody, I think he might've run the wrong route. Or he definitely ran the wrong route. A miscommunication there, but there's just been times where, you know, he's not seeing the, the, the bracket coverage or you're forcing balls over the middle. And, and, you know, I don't know how much you can see on the broadcast, but I mean, there, there were a number of plays where there, there were options open that were, that were maybe a little bit further, further into the progression. Um, that, that aren't being found. So I, I don't know. I mean, as an offensive coordinator, how you how do you get around that? You know, do you how do you find some easier throws? I thought there were some easy throws that that weren't made um, in, in that game too. But yeah, I think that's that's challenging. I, I don't know what you what you thought at home, but it, I I thought that Malachi Coleman was fantastic in that game, um, given the opportunities. Um, you know, I I would not have guessed that he would be as willing. Uh, of a blocker as he has been. Oh man, you, know? you needed to see him in Seacrest. This he, is what he did. He's wearing before, guys out out of there. Before he had the the Nebraska offer, I'm telling you, his junior year, it was fun to watch. I mean, Seacrest, or excuse me, Lincoln East, we think of as a you know more of a passing team with Noah Walters, but it was fun to watch his junior year because he would just crush some of these defensive backs. And Malachi's a bigger guy. I mean, he should. He should be able to physically dominate uh, some of these high school players he was going against, and he did. And so I I never really felt like blocking was going to be more of the issue. What I like to see from Malachi is that he – I mean, that athleticism he has is going to be such an asset. I I felt like it happened too late in the game, but I love that they finally actually just gave him a jump ball opportunity. Yeah, You know, you got a guy with that kind of athleticism, like let him go one-on-one. Just, you know, like if – here's here's it for me. If, if – Heinrich Harburg is going to throw an interception. I'd rather have him do it in a jump ball scenario than him just chucking one up to the safety because he can't see the guy down the yeah. field or he didn't realize he's going to be there. So I, you know, when he has those one-on-one opportunities and they're there because the safeties are moved up and they're playing essentially, you know, a man-to-man coverage on the outside with no help over the top, take a shot. 
Like, I, I think Malachi can win some of those. I don't know that I would do it with Jaden Doss necessarily, but um, unless he's got a guy completely burned, same with Jalen Lloyd. If Jalen Lloyd's running right by him, throw it. But um, with Malachi, like, let him physically go up and get the ball. He almost came down with that one opportunity that he had. Yeah. Well, and then the other one he was interfered on pretty badly. Uh, that wasn't called. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, you want to talk about watching something at home and you're like, okay, where's the, the little flag graphic that's on the score bug down there? Like when, when is it up? Oh, they, this isn't what the, the, the official is just staring at Malachi. What, what that was the entire thought process for me. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I can imagine that, you know, for Matt rule, it might've been a little bit more profanity laced or profanity laden, but, um, yeah, let's um unless there you have anything else you want to add on the offense? No, I'm good. Okay. Let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we're gonna dive into defense special teams, kind of what we saw on Saturday, some thoughts from Matt Rule, where things are at for some players, all of that more when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brunts, let's start things out with some real quick injury updates. Princewell, Uman, Mielin, uh, Matt Rule had some interesting things to say as to why he was unavailable. It felt noticeable on Saturday uh, because it really seems like he and Cam Lenhart really provide the pass rush besides, you know, when we get the the one James Williams snap where he just beats the tackle like yeah. a drum. Yeah, no, he he was in the protocol and was, was unable to get out of the protocol in time, so... Uh, Matt Rule said that there was a chance you see him against Maryland, which, I mean, looking ahead, I mean, this is the the, the kind of game where you kind of need all hands on deck with the pass rusher. Um, this is so, a fun Tony White game to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be you're, you're going to have to get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, and you know, Cam Linhart, I thought that was the best game that he'd played in a few. Finally looked healthy. Um, you know, was able to to get some things done, but. It was interesting. I did, did you get the sense that Nebraska's defensive line was really winning up front? Because it seemed like early on, um, Michigan State was was getting some things done at least um, a little bit more than I expected. Even I, even though you go into the numbers, I mean, Nebraska only gave up two yards of carry by the end of it. But I thought early on that Michigan State was a little bit more of the aggressor. Yeah, I'm not I'm not enough of a football guy to tell you why, but it just felt like Nebraska got caught in between early in the first quarter on some of those runs. Like they just weren't, um, you know, defensively how it's felt like they've really flown to the ball. But pre-snap, they're kind of it seems like they have a good indication as to what's coming. 
felt like Michigan State had him out of sorts on that first drive. I mean, whether it's some of the play action, whether it was some of the coverage busts, it just seemed like the defense was off at the beginning, and that translated to the defensive line as well. It got better throughout the game as it generally does, and some of that's just a credit to Robinson and and Huntmacher just being complete, uh, you know, tough guys to handle for for however many snaps as you're going to get them. But it did seem early on Michigan State on both sides of the ball really handled Nebraska on the line of scrimmage. And that, that to me, spoke to a little bit of Michigan State showed up on Saturday ready to try to, to take it to Nebraska. And I just don't think Nebraska met that intensity in the first half. And then by that point in the second half, it was kind of swimming against the current. Yeah, no, it, it, that was a game where Nebraska kind of – and Nebraska's not built this way. They haven't been this year where they – they're not the ones throwing the first punch. They – no. They get into like the seventh or eighth round before they kind of start punching. Um, it, it's a it's a long warm to the fight, and then I, I agree though. I mean, I I felt like I felt like Michigan State had Nebraska on their heels a little bit. I mean, you, you couple kind of what you're saying with the line play. I, I think whenever you're a team with an interim head coach uh, playing in your your last game at home, uh, you probably call plays a little bit differently you you sprinkle in a few more trick plays than you would maybe normally. And I think that kind of had Nebraska on ice skates a little bit. Yeah, well, and Merle talked about this. You can't play with fear, and it felt like Michigan State just kind of came out with nothing to lose and played that way. And uh, like you mentioned, the play calling, I mean, they even late, they were not – they're like, okay, we know we're running for two yards of carry. We're going to go at your secondary right now. This is where our best chance is. Clock be damned. Go and beat us Heinrich Harburg if you get the ball back. And that was a gamble that ended up working out for them, uh, even if they didn't hit on the pass because they felt like their defense would be able to to sort of hold up. So I think uh, that I found kind of interesting. Where's what's the status of Marquise Buford, and could we see him on uh, on on the field in the upcoming you know three games here to finish the year? Uh, Buford, yeah, I think that's the plan. I mean, I think with yeah, I think he showed enough that he was kind of back in that game. I mean, they actually went to him quite a bit. Uh, Malcolm Hartsog didn't finish the game um, against Michigan State. That's some that's an injury to watch this week as things go along with the type of game that Nebraska's defense is likely going to be facing. I, th- I think he's you know, Matt Rule said he's questionable. I think he's another protocol case. Um, but you know, having Buford back, I think, kind of gives you a little bit more flexibility safety wise. Um, you know, they are thin back there. I mean, with Deshaun Singleton basically being out for the year. Um, you, you lose, you know, Hartzog or at least have him questionable for the week. I mean, that, those are two significant losses and, and not much depth back there. So um, he, he's actually coming back at the right time. He talked after the game on on Saturday and um, you know said he felt okay, uh, was just kind of you know grateful to be back. I think and and like I said, I mean, it's kind of perfect timing and he has a good understanding of the defense too. I don't think that he was, you know having to kind of dip a toe by any means uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I should have probably phrased that better because he was playing, but it's more so is he going to be available each week? Yeah, his, I think that's the his, player. I think. Yeah, because that's uh, with that injury and that return, it's almost like you could – and with the fact that he only has four games before you'd lose that red shirt, I was wondering if they were going to try to manipulate that a little bit to try to ease him back. Uh, and it, it, to to your mind, from what he said and what you've heard, it seems like he's going to be available as long as as he feels like he can. Yeah, no, I mean, with with four left, um, 
you know, they were going to use those last four. I think, I think for a long time, they've kind of been targeting the Michigan state game as his return. Um, so it, it worked out well that way. I mean, it could change. I know that they, that when he was going through practices and he practiced for a couple of weeks before he actually played in the game, but he'd had a few setbacks in terms of just being sore after practice. And that was a concern that they had, but, um, he said after the game, he was feeling pretty good. Um, so I would expect, I, I would be surprised if he wasn't out there on Saturday against Maryland. Yeah. Let's finish up uh, with special teams here. And I've said this on a couple different uh, platforms, you know, on the Sunday side session on some radio interviews. I really felt like Nebraska's punt return strategy crippled them in a way on Saturday that was a coaching error. Um, and I'm curious how Matt Rule has addressed that, you know, whether he did much post game. I don't recall him doing as much post game. I know he talked about it some more on Monday. What were your sort of thoughts on what they did and with Billy Kemp and then his remarks on Monday? Yeah, no, he he uh, on Monday said that he took responsibility for for not putting Ethan Nation out there more. I think they needed to have somebody back there that could return kicks. I mean, I, I don't I don't know that they were expecting Michigan State's punter to be to be out kicking his coverage as much as he was because they were. Well, out I think it was obvious to him that there was no return coming. Right, and, and they the they finally put the two returners out back there. And I think that might've been the better play earlier on because you had not only that, but you had, you know, Kemp fair catching the ball inside his own seven twice um, in the second half that, that, you know, that, that hurt Nebraska. Yeah. I'll spare people the rant that I, that I have welling inside me on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, yeah, I mean, I think in some ways they kind of outthought themselves a little bit on it. And then, you know, you had, uh, Bushini, um, you know, mishit a couple at, at the wrong time. Um, and it, it, it's, am I wrong that sometimes it seems like when things are kind of trending bad for Nebraska, they like really go bad on special yeah. teams. It's like a, it's like a bullpen that can't throw strikes. Yeah. It's like somehow they're running out of gas at the same time that their brakes stop working. And then, you know, the steering wheel doesn't locks up and they basically have no control of the vehicle anymore. Uh, I don't know what to make of Bushini. I mean, it's in a, in a conference where you've got to be able to flip the field or you got to be able to hit a 50-yard punt when there's no wind in the stadium. You were there. I know from looking at the advanced weather, there wasn't expected to be much of anything. And based on the way that all of Michigan State specialists were kicking the ball, sure didn't seem like there was much resistance in the air. It was a very strange performance to me. Yeah. I. Well, I mean, go back to the conversation we had about complimentary football i mean nebraska special teams have been better over were better over that stretch of of wins yep. and you know they, they need to hold up their end and they did not do that on saturday i mean you field position is so important for this team um they've been much better in, in average starting field position than you know basically the last two coaching staffs at nebraska have been but you can't you can't go you know minus three in turnovers and then also lose the field position battle too. It, it's just, uh, I know those sometimes go hand in hand, but you just, it, it's a recipe to lose, especially on the road, especially in November, especially with this offense. So, I mean, that, that's, that just goes back to how thin the margin is. And I, I agree with you. I think, I think they maybe outthought themselves a little bit on the punt return strategy. Yeah. Anything else you want to get to here? Uh, well, and it's an interesting conversation with Nation going forward because he's at four games. Um, 
you know, they, I think they're going to basically go through the week and see how Billy Kemp is if he's able to run, and then make a decision about whether or not Ethan Nation's their punt returner or not. I think I think he wants to play, but I think they're hesitant to maybe burn that red shirt if they don't have to. Um, and a lot of that just hinges on on Kemp's ability to actually be able to run, um, and, and that's going to be be something to follow this week. I think. Yeah the the red shirt thing sort of has lost its luster to me in the age of the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, in my mind, and I, you know, Matt Rule would be wise never to listen to me. But in my mind, I wouldn't even have that part of the equation. If you think he can help you win a game on Saturday, put him in. Don't think about well, it. I think, I think that's what you'll – he seemed to suggest that James Williams, who's also going to be playing his fourth game against Maryland, uh, can help them win. And, and I think they would prefer to have him in there. So it, it's kind of a case-by-case basis. But I, I agree. I mean, I – I, in the age of the transfer portal, I don't know how much you can count on that guy being there for the fifth year versus if he can help you for the first. I mean, is I, there I, is there an equivalent to James Williams that you and I have covered since we've been working at Husker twenty four seven? Because I can't really think of another sort of guy who just can go in as a pass rusher and is just the, you know effective enough to straight whip a left tackle the way that he did. Uh, and it wasn't even like it was uh he didn't bull rush him. He, he ran around went him. right by him. Yeah. It was like he timed the snap perfectly. Great first step. He's a long strider, which I'm sure is something you two have talked about before. Yeah. Sticks. Um, you know, and he's just, he's right there. I, I honestly don't know that I can recall covering a pass rushing specialist in the same way. No, not. And I don't want to make too much of it because it's only been a few games, but it is, it stands out to me because it's, unique to what I have watched Nebraska put out there before. Well, and, and also just the way for, I think a lot of people, he came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. That that was, you know, unique in itself. I mean, you've, I can't think of a player that. He, he's what people wanted Caleb Tanner to be at that spot in those situations. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even from the outside, I mean, who, who's been Nebraska's most elite pass rusher since you and I have, have, in the 24 seven sports era, like Randy Gregory, yeah, probably, but that's not, not close, right? No, like it's, no. you're right. But no, I, I can't think of somebody who's expressed purpose is to just get after the quarterback and has okay. done so like it's, it's been, uh, it's been a while. It's kind of nice. I approve it. I'm sure that's what they've been waiting for. All right. Uh, Brunts, we shall uh, finish things off here. Everyone check out what we have going on at Husker 24-7. Plenty more coverage, plenty more stuff. Matt Rule talked about, even talked about the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. You want to you wanna dive into the dumbest storyline in all of college football, uh, you can dive into that and what Matt Rule's thoughts were uh, a little bit with it. Um, you know, that, that remark sort of stood out to me when he was talking about the three losses that Nebraska has in conference play so far um and uh that was you know i thought that was interesting i really did so that we have that we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the maryland game we'll have more husker 24 7 podcast content hypecast coming up and uh you know what happens tonight brunts nebraska basketball tips off its season we're in that sort of moment where you have 37 sports going on you got the high school playoffs finishing up we're in the november crunch time period can you feel it yeah, I, it's it's here. You seem enthused. It's, yes. It seems really like it's just the sort of thing that you look forward to in early November every year. Yep, it's just like the mishmash of season. Let's get it done. All right, well, we'll see if Nebraska basketball can handle Lindenwood on Monday night. 
And uh, we'll have that coverage for you at Husker247.com. For Michael Brunson, Mike Shaver, we're Husker247. We'll be back later this week with some more podcasts.